Well, uh, hello and welcome to the this live edition of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast from the Optigo 2019 Conference. I'm Steve Guggenmoss. And I'm Corey Aber. And we've extensively covered the affordable housing challenges around the country on the podcast this year. Uh, we looked at the data. We've talked to researchers, lenders, local experts, governmental entities. And this is a complex problem. But there's one role in the market that brings all of this together and uh, sort of an unsung hero role, the lawyer. And fortunately, we just happen to have a lawyer uh, on stage with us here, Togar Swanson. Uh, Togar is a partner at QTAC Rock in the multifamily housing group. And QTAC has worked with Freddie Mac for 20 years, but their experience goes beyond that. Right? QTAC is one of the preeminent real estate and public finance law firms in the country, working not just on Freddie Mac transactions, but also representing states and localities. So they've been involved in addressing the affordability crisis from many angles. Uh, so Togar, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. All right. So before we uh, get into a deeper discussion of affordable housing, especially from the legal perspective, can we just start with a little background on QTAC? Sure. Uh, QTAC Rock uh, was formed in uh, January of 1965. It's a national law firm uh, with over 500 lawyers. Uh, we provide clients with a full service transactional and litigation practice. Uh, our housing practice uh, covers single family, multifamily, and a wide range of tax credit areas as counsel to housing issuers, lenders, credit enhancers, uh, investment bankers, and tax credit investors. So um, uh, we're, we, uh, in our capacity, follow the market a fair amount. I was curious from, uh, from the legal perspective, and as you see um, the affordable crisis, uh, how are different areas reacting, and what do you see across the country? Well, I got to say that uh, this year has been uh, one of the busiest ever, uh, and uh, you know, our uh, housing group uh, has been going full speed, really, in uh, just about every area. Uh, the The housing uh, affordability crisis uh, has created more and more complex structures, and that's what we continue to see. We continue to see uh, more and more levels of subordinate financing. Uh, that's required to uh, to finance uh, an affordable project. Uh, as uh, I'm sure you've noted, the uh, the affordable uh, crisis most pronounced uh, on the coasts and in a few uh, high cost areas uh, in the middle of the country. And so, looking at you know all the different states that you've worked in, uh, I'd like to understand a little bit of you know pick a few some of the challenges there, and then how those states are addressing those challenges. Okay, well, my practice is, uh, as I mentioned, primarily on the coast, primarily the West Coast, but uh, we work uh, all across the country, and I think a lot of the problems are similar. Um, the, uh, you know, there's a, a soaring gap between wages and rents. Uh, there's chronic homelessness, uh, coupled with public health issues, transportation problems. We have uh, special uh, needs for our veterans who uh, are... Uh, are more uh, heavily represented in the uh, in the homeless uh, population, uh, and what we've seen uh, in in a number of places is uh, you know state and local governments and you know individual citizens uh, taking uh, taking on the uh, the issues and uh, uh, willing to uh, to spend the time and and invest their money to uh, to alleviate the problem. Uh, we've seen a number of uh, uh, local uh, housing authorities or uh, counties and states, uh, you know, allocate their their general uh, 
uh, obligation, their general uh, revenues to uh, to uh, affordable housing, to uh, provide uh, either grants or more often loans to uh, to you know fill the gap. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's a pretty big gap uh, between what uh, what senior loans and uh, and tax credit equity can uh, can produce. So let's. Um, I know you've done a lot of work in in California. So are there some examples of how that has played out in California? Sure. Uh, one of uh, one of the most pronounced uh, is uh, what's known as uh, Proposition HHH or Triple H. Uh, that was an initiative uh, that the uh, voters in uh, the city of Los Angeles passed. Uh, I believe it's now three years ago. Uh, to raise $1.2 billion to address the, uh, the homeless, uh, the affordable uh, housing crisis, and, and most directly uh, alleviating homelessness uh, in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, those bonds are supported by a half-cent sales tax hike, and uh, they produce uh, roughly 10 sometimes $12 million per project to, uh, to fund uh, you know, subordinate loans to uh, you know to make these projects work, and uh, that's uh, that's that's one thing we've seen. Uh, very recently, uh, we've seen uh, also in Los Angeles uh, a private foundation, which is providing uh, money. They part of their their mission is uh, to you know uh, benefit society, and and they also see the affordable housing. Uh, crisis as as being really you know fundamental to, to people's well-being, and they're they're putting in money uh, into uh, a transaction uh, that we're working on, that you're working on. Uh, you may not know it, uh, but uh, we we see also uh, as we we're talking about last week, uh, you know, some other private companies, uh, most uh, most notably Home Depot. Uh, we see them putting in money uh, on a on a loan basis, uh, you know very soft subordinate loan basis to uh, to affordable projects as well. Um, we've seen uh, some some movement towards uh, uh, zoning uh, changes to uh, to allow for higher density developments. Um, we've seen uh, cities uh, provide the land. Oftentimes that's uh, not only the cost but just the availability of land in high cost areas. And so we've seen uh, cities, Take land that you know they had uh, either condemned or you know taken on a you know for a tax sale, uh, and they will uh, lease it to the uh, to the borrower to the project owner on a long term basis for you know a dollar a year, and that's the the city's or the county's contribution to uh, to the project. That that will just be in exchange for some long term affordability, or that's or right. Is it straight out? Uh, yeah, that that comes with uh, a long term uh, regulatory agreement that requires uh, the project to be uh, you know fully occupied by uh, by low income tenants. And so, as you say, there's there's capital that comes from multiple sources, whether it be the locality and whether it be actual capital or land, and then there's the the Home Depots of the world. So as, as you come in, um, what's your role and how, how do they differ in different transactions? Or, Well, uh, my, my role is typically as bond counsel, and I represent the, the issuer of the tax-exempt obligation, whether it's a bond or whether it's a note. Uh, and you know, we typically get into the transaction uh, towards the end. <laughs> um, developers... Uh, 
you know, have, have a long lead time, especially on these affordable transactions. You know, they, uh, they, they have an idea, they have a place they, they want to build, they work on getting site control, uh, and then they have to work through, like I said, the, the, uh, the, the, the myriad of uh, subordinate financing sources. And oftentimes those take years uh, to, uh, to line up. Uh, and they all need to play nice together. Uh, so we have uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, four or five uh, different mortgages, uh, four or five different subordination agreements, uh, maybe four or five different regulatory agreements. So uh, we work uh, not only with uh, with our, our client, the uh, the issuer, but we also work with uh, the developer and developers council, and also with uh, counsel to all of these subordinate lenders. So it's uh, the, the distribution list can get uh, get pretty long, uh, and everything needs to uh, to line up, uh, you know, just right, so that everyone's willing to put in their money uh, when they're supposed to. Uh, so, uh, so we can make uh, this transaction work. So it's really fascinating, you know, if you get down into the details of uh, an affordable housing transaction, especially you know one in a high cost area, because you've got uh, units that are costing six hundred and fifty, seven hundred thousand uh, dollars to finance, uh, and uh, you you can't do that with uh, you know one mortgage. Uh, it just it just doesn't underwrite uh, to. Uh, to, to make sense, but with uh, with multiple sources, uh, you can finally put it together and uh, and get it across the finish line. Yeah. So I want to go back to that that uh, point you made earlier about this being uh, the busiest you've ever seen it, uh, or for you at least. And and so is that in part a result of um, just more complexity, or or is it also just more? Uh, are you seeing more transactions get done or just yes. more complicated transactions? Uh, well, I, I would say both, but uh, we're, we're seeing more transactions get done. And uh, w one thing I noted last week in, in California is that uh, the private activity volume cap that's needed to issue these bonds or notes uh, gets allocated in uh, four or five rounds each year. And last week, the, the state of California allocated $1.9 billion of uh, a bonding cap uh, for 61 projects. And I think that's, <laughs> that would be at least three times what, uh, what you typically see in, uh, in a round, uh, especially, uh, an October round. So it, it really speaks to, uh, to the number of, uh, you know, projects that are out there, uh, that, you know, qualify, uh, satisfy the, the state treasurer's, uh, requirements to, uh, to get the volume cap. So it's, <laughs> Like I said, it's a uh, it's a very interesting time and a very uh, very busy time, uh, and uh, you know it's it's really been that way uh, all year, and uh, I think this is uh, you know in my experience I've been doing the the bond council role for over twenty years, and uh, I've never seen as much uh, sort of uh, political uh, attention to uh, the affordable housing crisis it's it's really becoming a, a you know a, an issue that uh, the politicians uh, feel they need to address and uh, they're adding uh, resources you know behind that and uh, I think that's a good thing uh, certainly for, for what we do and uh, and uh, you know it just uh, hopefully brings more more units online because that's that's really what uh, <laughs> what we all need 
So, so I want to understand a, l- a little better too. So we think about you know nine percent tax credits doing a whole lot uh, mm-hmm. to produce new units, uh, but there's a sort of a fixed amount uh, yes. every year. Those are competitive. And then the four percent credit. So when you're talking about uh, your role as bond counsel and and uh, your use of private activity bonds to to generate more units, that's the four percent credits. That is the four percent right. credits. Uh, although one thing, one development we've seen lately is uh, a bifurcation of projects in between a nine percent and a four percent. Uh, we've seen uh, developers who uh, who haven't been able to get enough nine percent money. To, uh, to do their transactions. So what they're doing is they're condominiumizing uh, their, their project into two. And so they'll finance one side of it with the 9% and they'll finance the other side with the bonds and the 4%. Okay. So, so, so finding ways to sort of yeah, kind expand of a, a, to, the uh, sources yes, of capital. Yes, to, to, to stretch those tax credit dollars. Uh, and that, does you think that comes after the drop in prices of, of tax credits on the 9% side? Uh that could be part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that definitely could be part of it. Uh, but we're seeing, you know, more and more projects that uh, that are going, uh, you know, sort of two ways uh, at a at a time. Um, makes more work for the real estate lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, you you mentioned California, um, and uh, as we think about uh, states like California, where it's really, you know ground zero of the affordability problem. Um, are, are other states kind of picking up and, and also addressing the issues? Or, well, we've or seen, you, yeah, well, we've seen a, a number of states uh, really in the last year uh, adopt a, a state housing tax credit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a lot of money, uh, but uh, it certainly helps. Uh, states have also established uh, what they call a, a revolving fund, uh, which provides uh, construction funding uh, for projects, and then it gets paid back with uh, with the tax credit equity that uh, that comes in when the project's placed in service. So, uh, you know, those are are projects that have a fiscal impact on the state, uh, but the states have had the the political will to uh, to pass them and put those programs in place. So, what do you see? Uh, just looking ahead, so you you've been doing this for twenty years, uh, you, uh, more or less, more, <laughs> more or less. Um, and so you've, you've seen a lot of things over those 20 years, and, and uh, at the moment we are now, what do you see, some emerging trends or, or maybe a, a glimpse into the future? <laughs> well, I don't exactly have a, a crystal ball, uh, but yeah, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we see a number of, uh, of, of splits in projects. Um, I think the, uh, the expanded RAD program is going to have, uh, have some more uh, effect on the housing uh, market. We see uh, housing authorities, you know, moving away from from being a landlord uh, into being a finance agency, uh, and sort of uh, addressing, uh, you know, the the affordable crisis as as being more of a facilitator rather than uh, than, than running projects. They're they're moving them into private hands, uh, and uh, you know, holding on, uh, providing sort of a, a subordinate uh, type of financing to uh, to help out. Uh, those projects move ahead. Um, uh, another thing about volume cap, uh, for, for many, many years, it uh, has been uh, plentiful and any qualifying project would, uh, would get an allocation. Uh, lately, we've seen uh, some states uh, put, uh, put restrictions on it. Uh, I know New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Washington, others, they, they ration volume cap. Uh, sometimes they'll require a taxable component uh, to the uh, to the financing, um, 
Is that just so much need for it that they have to prioritize? Right, now? so much need for it that they have to prioritize. Um, and other states may, may have to as well. Um, there is a, a provision in uh, the HERA Act from 2008 that allows for recycling of volume cap. You, uh, you can finance two projects uh, with uh, tax-exempt bonds. The second project doesn't get the tax credits. So that's really what's, I think, holding up uh, a lot of uh, authorities from, from doing that. Uh, and it's also something where you need a lot of volume uh, because there's restrictions on when the initial bonds get paid and when you can issue your new bonds uh, with this recycled volume cap. Uh, but uh, that may be something that, uh, that we see more of as, as volume cap gets more and more uh, constrained. Well, this has been uh, really fantastic. I mean, so what I'm hearing is that, uh, I mean, definitely busiest time ever, huge affordability issues, <laughs> um, just a need to find capital from any number of different sources. and uh, Yeah, and, and, and building projects any number of ways. Right. Uh, in fact, the project I was mentioning uh, to you fellows, uh, we'll use shipping containers. Oh, wow. as, uh, as a modular uh, building material to, uh, to, to basically speed up construction and hold down costs. I mean, that's, that's something new. I'm, I can't wait to, uh, to visit the project once it gets done. Uh, it's uh, it's something, uh, something interesting, and I think a lot of people uh, on the uh, transaction are excited about it. Yeah, that, and that's something that we've been tracking a lot as well um, on the podcast and, and elsewhere. So uh, you mentioned shipping containers. Have you been seeing some other methods that, that are starting to take off? Uh, well, we've, we've seen you know, just the, the standard modular housing. Um, we've seen a lot of reuse, um, you know, office buildings, uh, warehouses. Uh, people will you know, basically reconfigure those uh, into housing. Uh, the other thing we've seen is, is uh, a few sort of communal housing. I mean, you can finance single room occupancy uh, with tax exempt bonds, so you don't have to have uh, a, a cooking facility in each room. So that allows, or, uh, or a bathroom facility in each room. So uh, we've seen a few uh, projects where they've basically stretched the, uh, you know, the housing construction dollar by uh, you know, creating smaller uh, living facilities for individuals, but also allowing for, uh, uh, you know, a communal uh, mm -hmm. kitchen. And I think you probably see projects that are targeted to specific populations as well, veterans and others. Is that right? Yes. Uh, we've cer certainly seen uh, some, some efforts to assist the veterans, both on the, the federal and the state level. Uh, the, 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 the VA and HUD have a, a VASH program, which provides vouchers uh, for, uh, for veterans uh, in California, there's a program that the state runs called BHHP, which also provides financing, uh, subordinate financing for uh, for veterans-only uh, projects. And you know, we've also finally got some uh, some relief from uh, the IRS uh, from the uh, requirement in the tax code that these units be available to the general public. Uh, we we now have the ability to. Uh, to restrict them to uh, specific uh, groups, including veterans, uh, as long as there is a state or federal program that's uh, that that also says the same. So, in connection with the state and the, the federal uh, veterans housing uh, programs, we can also uh, limit the uh, the units to uh, to our veterans. All right. So, Togar, uh, again, thank you so much for for being with us today. There's clearly you know a lot that goes on 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 the legal side that that uh, we don't always see on the on the research side. So certainly I, I think we'll uh, we'll want to have you back on to explain uh, explain some more for us uh, over time. 
Thanks very much. Thanks. Oh, for- you're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. If you're interested in more, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud.